Welcome to the New Generation Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, we hope today's message fills you with hope and inspiration. NGC is a place where people can come together to grow in their faith, learn from one another, and support each other through life's challenges by living out the Word of God. We believe and share the love of Jesus in everything we do, and we're excited to bring that love to you through our podcast. Let's dive into today's message. We hope you Not alone. Not alone. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you are awesome in all of your ways. Thank you for the promise of your word that you will never leave us nor forsake us. We are not alone. Glory. Thank you, God. So we we celebrate Jesus in this place today. We love you. We thank you. We say hallelujah to your name, God. Glory, God. Glory, God. We love you, God. Thank you for things that are well as they are. But let us never forget. People leave us. But we're never alone. What a great promise. Thank you for that promise, Lord. We love you. We bless you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Amen. Come on, give God a praise if you don't mind. Glory. Glory, God. Glory, glory, glory. Praise God. Listen, while you're standing, let's get into the word of God today. Thank God for you being here. If you're visiting with us here today, we say no accident. Or coincidence that you're here. We believe in the providence of God that you were ordained to be here today. Praise God. Listen, turn your Bibles with me. We're going to the New Testament as we come in for a landing. God bless you all. Praise God. Anybody excited to be alive today? My God. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus told the folk, he said, look, if you don't cry out, these rocks going to cry out. That's powerful, isn't it? Say, 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 I'm going to get praise. In the New Testament, good to see you all this morning, in, in the book of Colossians, Colossians, we're going to go to chapter 3 in the book of Colossians, and we're coming in for a landing on our series, Undefeated undefeated and just for the sake of time we'll we'll be in this scripture primarily today I want us just to read the verse uh, first four verses they'll bring it on the screens as well chapter 3 verse 1 Colossae a letter written to the church of Colossae and it reads as follows follow along with me Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above and not on the things that are on earth. For we have died. 
and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in his glory. Praise God. Amen. For a few minutes this morning, I want to speak with you on the topic, undefeated, living like you are, living like you are, living like you are. Give your neighbor a fist pound as you take your seat and say, I'm living like I am defeated, undefeated, undefeated. (laughs) You better say undefeated. Amen. Somebody might have come in one way. Won't lead the same. Listen, we're honored this morning to come in for a landing on our series, Undefeated. And the whole premise, if you will, behind this sermon series is to remind us that we serve an undefeated God. That God has never lost a battle. We had ministers come to this pulpit and they expounded on and did a beautiful job on what it means to serve an undefeated God. Do we understand the term undefeated? That means that God is never lost. We qualified in our first sermon series that his record is infinity and oh, meaning that he's never lost a battle. Look at your neighbor and say he never will. Praise God. With this comfort of knowing that we serve a God or we have the opportunity for some of us who may not have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you have an opportunity, long as there's life in your body, to be a part of an undefeated team. You may experience what you might call defeats in your life, but God According to the scriptures, he causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and to those who are called according to his purpose. As a point of reminder, you remember when we started this series a few weeks ago, and I'm asking you to turn here just for a point of launching and reminder. In the book of Proverbs, we're reminded in Proverbs 21, actually beginning in verse 30, the writer says this. And he says, there is no wisdom and no understanding and no counsel against the Lord. Let me read that again, because when we're talking about an undefeated God, we need to understand that there's nobody like him. All right. We need to make the distinction that he is like none other. There is no wisdom and no understanding And no counsel against the Lord. The horse is prepared for the day of battle. But victory belongs to the Lord. Who does victory belong to? Victory belongs to the Lord. And I'm of the belief that if victory belongs to the Lord, then God wants us as his people to be victorious as well. Now, he made that possible for us by way of of sending his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to defeat that which was trying to defeat us. This is the beauty of having a relationship with Jesus because he is the God-man. He is the one 
who has come to take away even the sting of death. And that's why we can ask the question that was asked by the very writer of this book, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? When you have victory over death, think about that for a minute. Lord, what happens when I give my all and I die? He says, well, to live is Christ. But to die is gain. So when you settle that in your heart as a follower and believer of Jesus Christ, Lord, I'm laying it all on the table for you. I'm going 100 for you, Lord God, that whether I live or to die, I am still a winner. Do I got a winner in this place today? (laughs) Amen. Amen. We win. We're undefeated. And life begins to unfold and life begins to, if you will, it makes it it becomes clearer uh, the more we magnify our Lord. It minimizes our situations and what will happen to us. If you're going hard for the Lord, uh, whatever happens to you is a good thing. Amen. Now, watch this now. We're, we're in the book of um, uh, as we, this is kind of a topical message. So we were in a few places. But here in the New Testament, we're in the book of um, uh, Colossians. And this is uh, Paul. He's writing this letter in prison. And it's believed that Paul wrote his letter to the Ephesians and this church of Galatia while he was in Roman prison. And he's writing them, and he uh, uh, never visited, it's believed, that he never visited this uh, church in Galatia that he's writing to. But there were messengers that would take the letters that Paul would write, and and he, he would take those letters and they would be read in the presence of the church as a means of encouraging them. Okay? So we got the context. Remember, when you're reading this letter, it's for only four chapters. I wish we had time to go through all four. But for the sake of our time, we're going to spend the majority of our time in chapter three. Okay? so he was in prison. Keep that in mind when he's writing this letter. Now, as Paul's practice was, we come to chapter three. And that's important to mention because we see a transition from the doctrinal foundation that was beautifully laid in the first two chapters to now the practical application as it relates to how we should live. Okay? So what Paul did in the first two chapters of this book is he gave us some doctrinal statements, some doctrinal truth. Somebody's asking the question, what is doctrine? I'm glad you asked, all right? All right? The word doctrine uh, the Greek word for doctrine is our word logos, L-O-G-O-S, okay, logos. So primarily when we talk about words in the scripture, which are translated word, when we talk about the word word, uh, primarily in the New Testament scripture, it's either going to be translated as logos, and logos refers to primarily the total inspired word of God and to Jesus, who is the living God. Okay? You're going to hear Logos, or you're going to hear Rhema. Somebody say Logos, Logos. or you're going to hear Rhema. Somebody say Rhema. All right? Uh, For example, in the book of very familiar passage of Scripture, in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 1, you know it, in the beginning was what? The Word. That Word is Logos. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was what? The word was with God and the word was God. Are y'all understanding that? That's the word logos. 
Uh, the second Greek word that I'm just going to introduce you to is the word rhema. I'm not going to talk a lot about that, but it refers to um, the word spoken. Uh, it, it's, it's the rhema word. It's an utterance. It's an utterance. How, how do I know that a rhema word is the word of God? Well, God will never, ever speak anything that he hasn't said in his word. Okay? So even uh, in, in Christendom, we got to be careful because something can sound so good and deep. Man, that was deep. But was it the word? Many people have built churches and denominations on something that sounded deep that came out of the mouth of somebody, but we didn't go back to check and see if it was God. Are y'all hearing me today? When we move the landmarks, we open ourselves up to going in the wrong direction. When you're following directions and you're and somebody tells you, hey, if you take a right over there by the Walmart, you're going to be right in the area you need to be. You go and you take a right, but you don't see the Walmart there. Somebody has moved the Walmart to somebody else. And Walmarts are moving too many places nowadays. But, but the Walmart that was a landmark to you is now moved. We've got to be careful as, as people of God that we understand the landmarks that God laid. Because our God, why? I'm following an undefeated God. I appreciate what you're saying. I appreciate the deepness of the word that you said, but I got to go back to make sure that it's the Logos. Are y'all hearing me today? All right. So, so there the, are the two primary words, and, and this word doctrine, because Paul, in, in this book, he, he lays some doctrine. He lays some foundational truth. Now we can begin to learn how to live practically based on the foundation that is laid. Are y'all hearing me? Uh, let me let me make this clear for you because I want you to understand three things about doctrine. Uh, when we talk about this word logos, the doctrine, it refers to the person of Christ. Okay, it refers to the person of Christ. Three things about him: it refers to who he is, it refers to what he says, and it refers to what he does. Okay, doctrine is teaching. Okay. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God, here it is, and is profitable for doctrine or teaching, okay? So it's profitable that we, as believers of Jesus Christ, we learn the things as it pertains to our God, okay? In other words, I love how, um, I think Elder Mike used the illustration, maybe Elder Dodge did too, we got to read from the playbook, all right? If we're trying to score a touchdown, we can't make up our own plays. We can't use the plays of others that think it's going to work. No, God, I want your play. And I'm going to listen to your play and I'm going to carry out the play. So, so the doctrine, the word of God, God has given us this inspired word of God that teaches us how to live. It teaches us how to be a husband to our wife. It teaches us how to be a father, a mother to our children. Guess what? It even teaches us how we ought to behave in the household of God. It teaches us you how to be a faithful member of the church of God. It teaches us how to operate in the power of God, amen, in the power of his Holy Spirit. It teaches us how to get along with our enemies. It's the doctrine. And if we spend, watch this now, 
if we spend more time, we serve an undefeated God, but if we spend more time listening to anything opposite of this, if I've become indoctrinated in that reality show, now the behavior that comes out of me is based on what I saw and spent my time watching as opposed to what God said in his word. Are you hearing me today? Am I helping somebody? Somebody say, Pastor, against reality shows. Well, I'm not really against reality shows, but I am against you using that as a doctrine in your life. Well, that's what such and such did on, on uh, I don't even know. They still got housewives. I don't even know the reality shows nowadays. They got housewives still out there? How y'all know that? <laughs> Let me keep it moving here. Amen. But it's enough reality in your Bible. But the word doctrine, remember, it's the logos. It's the, it refers to the person of Christ, and it's who he is. It's what he says, and it's what he does. Let me, let me show you this in the book that we're reading now. So flip over to chapter 1. We're in the book of Colossians. We're going to come to chapter 3 in a minute, but I'm laying a foundation here. Watch this now. Uh, a doctrinal statement, and there are many in that first two chapters uh, that, he, that he gives us, but I want you to go to chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. Watch this now, because where I have doctrine, I can build my life on it and recognize that it's not going to go away. Jesus, remember, uh, this is a review. He talked about two types of foundation. One man built his house on the rock. The other built it on the sand. And the, storms, the storm came, the winds blew, and great was that fall for that house that was built on the sand. But the one that was built on the rock, it was built on the, on the doctrine, on the teaching of Christ, it was able to withstand storms that come through. Could it be that we're, many people are folding and exchanging their life for something that is not of God is because we're not built on the rock? Just a question. So watch this now. Here's a powerful doctrinal statement, and there's several, but here's one I want to point out to you. For he, who is he there? Jesus, that's capital E, for he rescued us, watch this, from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, watch what we have, the forgiveness of sins. He, this is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Thank you for telling us who he is. Who is he? He's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. For by him, what does he do? For by him, all things were created, both in heaven, the heavens rather, and on earth. Watch this. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. He is also, here it is, head of the body, the church. Who's the head of the church? I know what we say sometimes, and let me go ahead and fix this now. I'm not the head of the church, but you're the pastor. No, no, no. Jesus is the head of the church. All right. He is the good, the great, and the chief shepherd. I got the privilege of under-shepherding because guess what? Your pastor needs a shepherd too. <laughs> I'll say amen by myself. Amen. Pastor, don't he, he is just, no, I ain't. I'm the under-shepherd. Under, taking position under 
the great shepherd, the good shepherd, and the chief shepherd. Y'all understand that? All right. I understand the saying when we say it sometimes, but biblically speaking, because my goal as a pastor is to teach you the Bible best as I can, who's the head of the church? All right, we got that. All right. All right, let's keep it moving here. So watch this now. He says, verse 17, he also, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, 18, and he is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. He's come to have what place? The Lord is not looking for a place in your life. If you, if you want the Lord to come in and lead you into the everlasting life that's promised to us, he does not deserve just a place. He's got to have what? He's got to have first place. So when the Lord, watch this now, when we open up our hearts so that he can come in and live inside of us, something happens. We do not remain the same. Paul said, um, behold, all things become new. All uh, old things have passed away. All things are now becoming new, and we become transformed into a people that we didn't even think we could become except it were for Jesus. Am I talking to somebody here before who just don't understand why you don't do the stuff you used to do? We found so much pleasure in that stuff. It used to be, watch this now, I'm talking for a minute. It used to be a cool thing to stay out all night. Man, I ain't got no curfew. It used to be a cool thing to go to the bar and order a drink. And that might be the only drink you have all night, but at least you had one. You paid $5 for it. You sip on that drink. It used to be a cool thing to get out on that dance floor and dance with people you couldn't see until the lights came on and you asked your question, wait a minute, what am I doing here? Am I talking to somebody that can relate? Somebody who ain't always been saved. I need to talk to you for a minute because I'm trying to get you to understand that something happened where that no longer was of interest to you. Wait a minute. I spent my money. I went and bought my best clothes. I went to sleep during the day so I could stay up later at night. See all this energy and zeal we put into worldliness. But what happened, God? What? 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 What, what, what happened? I'm, I'm glad that this particular passage of Scripture and there are five things I'm going to give you because when you're born again, there's transformation that takes place. You don't say the things you used to say. You don't do the things you used to do. You're new. And don't apologize for being new in Jesus. Because you left some people, don't you go back to where they were trying to conform to their image. No, you've been free because he who the Son sets free. I'm free from what people think about me. I'm free from what others talk about, what they want to talk about me. I'm, I'm being persecuted for Jesus. So you've got to understand, people. You've got to understand that, man, there's, there's a price that has been paid. So that we can live the life that was promised that me and you can live. Notice here in the scripture as Paul's teaching this church in verse, the first point I want to give you is, is this, because you need to understand this, 
when you're saved, and notice now, let me, let me make this last point before I go on. A lot of times we spend a lot of times talking about people in the world and what the people in the world are not doing. Y'all guilty of that? Man, the world, the world, the world. Well, that, that's, that's not incorrect, but I think it's incomplete because Paul's writing this letter to the church. These are church folk. This is a letter to the church. So the first thing he wants them to know as a church is, number one, he wants them to recall their identity. So as I'm talking to you today, one of the things you've got to do as a saved believer of God, recall your identity. Recall your identity. Notice verse 1 here. It says, therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Paul says here that word if it's the word since. That's how it should read in our modern day language. Therefore, since, somebody say since. He says since you have been raised, that's the doctrine of resurrection, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Therefore, since you have been raised, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated seated at the right hand of God. Where is God right now? He's the right hand of God. All right, let me show you this. All right, let's let's, let's park it for a minute. Go to uh, Psalms 110, verse 1. Psalms 110, verse 1. Because the Lord is now seated, watch this now, at the right hand of God the Father. This is a Psalm of David. I'm going to give you a few, and you can put these in your margin, because I want you to understand that Jesus has taken his rightful place. He has defeated everything that was thrown against him, and now he's taking his place of victory. All right? Watch this now, a psalm of David. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand. That's God's strong hand. Until your enemies, a footstool for your feet. Are y'all understanding that? So Jesus, he's defeated everything every enemy we could ever face. And he's done it so much in a fashion where now he's taken his position at the right hand of God, God's strong hand. We talked about that before. We talked about making sure you got the right right hand man, right? We talked about that. Put this in your margin in Mark's Gospel 16, verse 19. Just talking about the right hand man. Uh, Mark, he begins to end his Gospel, and he says this in Mark 16, 19. He says, so then when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down where? Where's Jesus right now? He's at the right hand of God. Remember, and we talked about this in Acts chapter 7, verse 55. Remember, Stephen, he was one of the first deacons of the church, and he stood in opposition of all the naysayers. And he threw back in their face the, 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 the disgusting disgust of what they did to Jesus and what they did throughout generations. He even said this was a result because of your forefathers who did not have the spirit. They didn't know how to handle Jesus when he was on the scene. But notice this, and, and he's contending for the faith, and they're so angry and they're so mad at, them, at him, that they begin, they're gnashing at their teeth, and they begin to pick up stones, and they stone Stephen for telling the truth. Telling the truth. Watch this. Watch what, what he says in verse 55. Because where is Jesus at? Being, but being full 
of the Holy Spirit. This is Stephen, the first, one of the first deacons. He gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus, watch this now, standing at the right hand of God. Notice we read instances of where he was sitting. This is an instance where we see he stands. But notice his position. Where is he? At the right hand of God. Somebody said, well, that's enough, Pastor. Well, I got to give you two more scriptures, then I'll be done with the right hand of God. Because I want you all to know where Jesus is, all right? Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Watch this now. Jesus is at the right hand of God. Jesus has taken his rightful place after fulfilling the duty of what he was sent to the earth to do. Okay? He's taken his rightful place. Watch this now. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Put it in your margin. Speaking of Jesus, and he is the radiance of his glory and the express representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he, made, when he had made, rather, purification of sins, he sat down, where? Right hand of majesty on high. Right hand of majesty on high. Jesus is at the right hand. That's significant, people, because he's at the right hand, And he's making, watch this now, intercession for me and you based on the finished work that he did. That's why we're undefeated. You're not undefeated based on what you've done. Your your righteousness, according to the scriptures, is as filthy rags. But Jesus made a way out of nowhere so that we could be undefeated. And he, he, he did it in such a fashion where now he can just sit at the right hand of God, making intercession for me and for you. Now watch this promise to John the Revelator over there in the Revelation, Revelation chapter 3. Watch this now, verse 21, because John on the Isle of Patmos, he gets this vision and, and Jesus begins to open him up to deposit things into his heart that we're still using for our churches today. Notice in verse 21 of Revelation uh, chapter 3, it says, he who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Isn't that a beautiful promise? He says, he who overcomes. Notice the stipulation there. All right. Not everybody. But is he who? Is anybody in here? Look, watch this now. I need to just talk to you for a minute. Have you overcome anything? And and, and who was it that allowed you to overcome what tried to entangle you? You better not give the government or anybody else credit for what God has done. It was the Lord that worked in your life that caused you to be an overcomer and come through the things that that once had you bound. You got to understand that. See, uh, we talked a little bit about this morning, but man, when my theology is right, when I begin to understand that, wait a minute, it's God's word that has fulfilled the promise that caused me to overcome that which was trying to overcome me. And because that which was trying to overcome me could not overcome me because the overcomer put the overcoming spirit in me to overcome that which couldn't overcome me, that theology now leads me to doxology where all I can do is just give him praise, not only for what he does, but because of who he is. Are you understanding this today? So it's the word 
which will not return unto him void. It will accomplish what it was sent out to do. And when we hold on to God's unchanging hand, we become overcomers and we go from death into life. Somebody give them a praise right now in the name of Jesus. We go from death into life. He's on the right hand. He says, he who overcomes, I will grant him to sit down with me. Oh, man. Overcoming. You're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. See, if we're undefeated, people, God, we got to start living like we're undefeated. This ain't no phrase and no cute sermon message. No, we're trying to point you to the undefeated God so that you can get in line and recognize, wait a minute, I'm, I'm God's child, so therefore I'm undefeated too. Somebody say undefeated. undefeated. So not only do we need to, watch this now, um, recall your identity. Your identity is in divinity. You're, you're, you're who God says you are. You're God's child. The second thing, I got to pick this up. I told you I were five. The second thing is we got, we got to re, you got to renew your thought life. You have to renew your thought life. The battle, man, is in the mind. I believe that. The battle is in the mind. As a man or woman thinketh in their heart, so are they. It's the battle of the mind. Notice what he says. He says, set your mind on what? On the things above not on the things that are on earth. I love this word set. This word set is it's an ongoing decision to set your mind on the greater. Notice I said an ongoing decision. Have you ever had a day where you woke up and, and you just wasn't feeling your best? Or maybe a night where you were getting ready to go to bed and you felt like you were defeated. Anybody ever been there before? But the Bible says here, set your mind. In other words, it's an ongoing thing. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing I'm doing is I'm setting my mind on Jesus. Knowing that tribulation, trouble, and all this stuff is going to come, I got to perpetually set my mind on him. Set my mind on the things above and not beneath. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm setting my, thing, my mind on the things above. What he's saying here, he says, let's focus our minds on things above. See, the standards must be raised. It can't be the same old, same old if you're a new creation in Christ. You, it just can't be the same old, same old if you are a new creation in Christ. Well, you know, the Lord's still working on me. And then people have the nerve, I hear this one a lot now. Y'all heard me say it before, but I'm getting tired of hearing it, to be honest with you. Well, you can't judge me. I say, okay, but God will. <laughs> but we have to focus on those things above. We're a new creation, man. We're new in Jesus. Now, one commentator says this, and I agree, earthly things are not all evil. But some of them are. Even things harmless in themselves become harmful if permitted to take the place that should be reserved for the things above. So if I'm replacing godliness uh, with the things that are of the earth, that's a great thing. But if I'm allowing the things of the earth to replace godliness, I got to be careful. I got to be careful. Jesus said it like this. I love what he said. Turn it with me. Uh, put, put this in your margin. Matthew 16. Watch this now. Matthew 16, verse 24 and 26. Jesus said it like this. 
you're, you're undefeated, people. He says, then Jesus said to his disciples, watch this. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. That's a good place to start. I got feelings. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how I was raised. You don't know what happened to me when I was a child. And I'm not making light of that. All that has a place. But you're a new creature now. I, I, can't, I can't continue in those things that tried to prevent me from becoming an overcomer and rehearsed that my whole life. Never reaching the pinnacle of what the Lord has created me in the earth to become. Y'all understand this new, a new, it's a new, you're a new creation. You don't have to go back to the old anymore. Well, you know, I feel, I feel. And then there's the danger of feeling because then you get with somebody else. I feel too. I feel, you feel, we feel. I don't care what I feel, I'm sticking to the, what was written. And it is written. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. Then what? Take up his cross. Anybody got a cross they're bearing right now? Man, the cross, and, and please understand what I'm saying. We, we and I'm not, not opposed to this, but this is, I need to make the point. We wear crosses on our necks, and we have crosses on our cars, and a lot of paraphernalia that looks like crosses. But don't you know that the cross was an execution symbol of how the Romans crucified folk? That's what it represented. You know that the, the God-man, the Jesus that we're talking about, came to the earth and died one of the most horrific deaths even to this day on an old rugged cross that was the instrument of execution for our God they, they crucified him and, 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 and they didn't know what they were doing but, but my whole point is um, what, what is your cross what cross are you bearing right now and what are you doing with that cross that you're bearing? Have you veered off the path of following Christ and listened to the voice of the world and now you're carrying that cross into the world instead of following Jesus? See, I taught you this before, but the horizontal beam and the vertical beam, the vertical beam would already be set up. And the criminal, they would have to bear the weight of the horizontal beam and they would have to... Think about this for a minute. They would have to walk and take a journey to their place of execution. So think about the humiliation that's coming with that. Not only are you getting ready to go be crucified, but you're carrying the weight of the beam, the mocking of the people, the spitting, the, 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 the guilty plea of the people, and you're carrying that horizontal beam all the way to the place where you become vertical. Number three, let me pick this up. 
Number three, you got to recognize your old life is dead. You got to recognize your old life is dead. Notice what he says here in verse three, Colossians chapter three, verse three, it says, for you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, watch this now, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider, watch this now. See, when you're dead, that means the members of your body are dead too, dead to Christ. Okay? Uh, Many people... Once we become saved, we become like the seed and we sprout up and the vicissitudes and challenges of life begin to beat us down even in our joy. And if we're not careful, people of God, we will turn and go back to that because we recognize or we say to ourselves that, man, this is just too hard. I'm always going to be what people said I was going to be. But here's the beauty of the Holy Spirit and God working in and through you, because not only do you die, but the desires of the members that you were using for things that were ungodly, they begin to die, too. Watch what he says here now. He says, therefore. That's why it's therefore. Consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things, watch this now, that the wrath of God will come upon the sons or the deeds of disobedience. And in them, you also once walked when you were living in them. Talking to the church. He said, you walked in these things before. But you got to, you, 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 you have to die to those things. Those things have to be put aside now because you're new in Christ. You're new in Christ. I'm trying to help somebody out today because guess what? You don't have to do what you've been doing. You're free. Somebody says, how, how do I do it? Just humble yourself and allow the Lord to work through you to take control of the members of your body. He mentions, and I ain't got time to go in here, but, but one of the words is pornania. Deals with pornography. We got to guard our eyes, man. Even the eyes of this next generation that's coming up because there are commercials today that wouldn't even be on TV today. Uh, day of yesterday. I was watching something. And I said, we, we ain't got these kind of channels. That's a commercial. Like, wait a minute now. That's a commercial. <laughs> okay. So, 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 so why am I telling you this? Because we have to demonstrate it as the church. God's going to start at his house. Stop depending so much on the world. No, he said, I'm going to start at the church house. I want to clean the folks up because we're the light of the world. We're a city set on a hill to shine bright to let people know about the love of Jesus. Notice what he says here. Put this in your margin. Just put it in your margin. Romans 8, 12 and 14. This is what uh, Paul says. He says, so then, brethren, we are 
under obligation, not to the flesh, but to live according to the flesh. For it, for if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. I'm putting this stuff to death. Paul talks about when we were baptized, we were baptized into Jesus. Baptism, remember, is symbolic of the dead going down, but the new coming up. That's what it is. And you become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Number four, I got to pick this up. We got to release past habits. We got to release past habits. You got to let them go, people. Wait a minute, I'm a new believer in Christ. Uh, we had a, a testimony the other night in, in one Wednesday night service, and I appreciate our dear sister sharing this, but she talked about how the Lord was even working, removing curse words out of her mouth. And she had a situation that would that occurred. And normally she would have said something. But even the people who were watching her noticed that she didn't say something. That's transformation, people. Man, didn't you wait a minute. What, what, didn't you usually do that? When, when, when Paul got saved, when Paul was knocked off his high horse, uh, headed to uh, Damascus to persecute Christians, uh, and he was blinded and they took him into the into the place. And, and Ananias, he said, Lord, are you sure you want me to lay hands on this guy? You know, he, he killed folks like me. And you want me to go do what now? You want me to lay hands on, on him? And he was obedient and he did it. And we're introduced to one of the most prolific men in all of the Bible. All right. Watch this now. So release pastor. Somebody say release. But now, verse 8, but now you also put them all aside. What do I need to put aside? Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Y'all see that? Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. Lord, am I still operating as in, in my evil practices? Well, do you lie all the time? Does your anger spill over into wrath where you now enter the realm of sin? Verse 10 says, and, and put on the new self. Somebody say new self. You're undefeated, man. You got a new uniform. Who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal, you've been renovated, people, in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all in all. Paul is saying here, I know we made people groups and we've discriminated against people based on certain things because of where they live or how they grew up or what color they are. Um, the barbarians, they didn't speak Greek, so they were looked upon differently than the other people that were in the land. The Scythian, they were country folk. They were just, they didn't know how to behave in the culture. But God says, you know what? If they're in Christ, we're all one body. 
we're all in all. Amen. That's the beauty of the body, man, is that we all come from different backgrounds. But when we met at the cross and when we gave our life to Jesus, we become one new man, as the Bible calls it. And we can go on and do the things that God has called us to do in unity because we're one. Somebody say one. It doesn't matter. Number five. The last thing is we have to replace past habits with new ones. We have to replace past habits with new ones. It's like putting on a new garment. If the old garment's worn out, I don't have to wear that one anymore. I got a new one, and I can put it on. Watch what he says here in verse 12. He says, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, but on heart a heart of compassion kindness notice this humility gentleness and patience bearing with one another and forgiving each other whoever has a complaint against anyone just as the lord forgave you so also should you beyond all these things notice what he says put on what put on love which is the perfect bond of unity. And he goes on, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. That word rule, uh, he becomes the arbitrator. He becomes the one who calls the shot. He becomes the umpire. He says, I'll call whether that was a ball or a strike. You don't call it. Strike. Who said that? Did I say it or did they say it? Because it might be a ball the way I'm looking at it and the way I'm setting you up. So you get in trouble and you you take off your uniform when you begin to handle things in your own fashion. And we're undefeated. We're new creations in Christ Jesus. The, The price has already been paid. Jesus has done the work that already needed to be done. See, Jesus, he already took his cross, and now he's asking us to take our cross. He took his horizontal beam, and he even needed some help. Simon of Cyrene had to come and help Jesus get that horizontal beam to that that, that, that horizontal beam to the vertical. And once they got to the vertical beam, people of God, something miraculous took place. You see, Jesus had to be crucified for our sins. He had to die so that we could live. We're new creations in him because of his death. But not only did he stay dead, notice that when he got to the horizontal, uh, the, the vertical beam and the horizontal beam met the vertical beam, they crucified him. But for him, that was a pulpit where he could even in that condition minister the words that God has spoken He could minister the theology of God even while being crucified. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. How can you do that? You can only do that if he is in you and you are in him. You can't ask nobody to forgive when you're being crucified. And it's 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 an unnatural thing because God is a supernatural and his spirit allows us to experience things that we don't that we in the in the norm. We don't think we can accomplish. But he performed what he needed to perform on that old rugged cross did what he had to do for us, laid his head down and died 
Why are we complaining about the cross that we have? Who are you following in the cross that you're carrying? If you're undefeated, people of God, I'm following the one who's already accomplished that and defeated that, which which is trying to defeat me. Are you here today? Do you understand? You're undefeated, man. Because our God is undefeated. Go out this day. What do I do now, Pastor? Repent. Repent. Turn from the way I've been going and turn to God. And latch your life onto him. Sell out. Give it all to him. Don't give him a little bit. He wants it all. But Lord, you don't know what it Lord says. I know more than you think you know. He said, I know your thoughts even before you think them. He said, don't try to hold back anything from me. I am the God and I know every hair on your head. Just surrender and let me come in and dwell with you and you with me. And he'll make all things new, people of God, according to his word. We're undefeated. We have victory, man. Let's live like it. Let's live like we are undefeated people of God. Not in our strength, but in the strength of the one who has came and is now seated at the right hand of our Father. Father, we thank you today for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. And we thank you for your loving kindness. Lord, there's no one like you. The heavens above, the earth beneath, glory, honor, and praise belong to you. Father, today we ask for your forgiveness. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Lord, we have missed the mark. And we need, we need to receive that which you've already done. For you are not doing it again. You've already given us the gift of life. And that is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So Father, as we seek to surrender our lives to you. I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would search the hearts of the people here today. Touch them, Lord. Give them boldness to step out by faith and obey what you've asked them to do. Lord, I thank you for this church, for this church is indeed a representation of people who were lost but are now found. This church, Lord God, is a representation of people in spite of what they faced yesterday. They live to fight another day. And I thank you, Lord God, that you've given us the power. Thank you for joining us today here on the New Generation Church Podcast. If you have any questions regarding your faith in Jesus Christ, please visit our website at www.newgc.org forward slash following hyphen Jesus. Be sure to watch on YouTube or subscribe to listen on iTunes podcast or spotify for additional information on new generation church please visit our website at www.newgc.org if you would like to give to this ministry please text the word give to 251-278-2225 again that number is 251-278-2225 or you can mail your gift to 1350 cody road north mobile alabama 36608 Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you real good is our prayer.